Nobody out. Three and two on Charlotte. Jokic gets it across the timeline. Gets a high pick and pop with Murray. Lindsay breaking through. Taken away by Nathan McKinnon. Two on two with Landis Scott. He has done it again. Vaughn Miller, ladies and gentlemen. Dump two hands. Nikola Jokic. Save me by Grubauer with the left pad. Oh, goodness gracious me. Take a good luck. You won't see it for long. Two on home run. Trevor Story. Lock. End zone. Touchdown. Really going so smoothly already. So far, so good. <laughs> Yo! <laughs> this rocks. <laughs> 60 seconds yeah. of us talking to ourselves. It's beautiful. And here we are. A special edition of TDSP, the Denver Sports Podcast, with this amazing crew of people i assume we are on air though i was promised intro music that never arrived and before introduced you guys didn't hear any music we heard none of it no we were i was jamming back here to some music ali you have to have your camera on to be on the show um it's true and uh before i i introduce everyone I got to tell you about Zoom Care and uh, the ability to never sit in a doctor's office again. You heard that right. If you hate going to the doctor like the rest of us, check out Zoom Care. The one great thing we can take away from a pandemic is the ability to do more things from the comfort of your own home. Nobody likes sitting in a doctor's office or even going to the doctor for that matter. But we all need to take care of ourselves. So what is video care? Video care is like a trip to Zoom Care just from your couch. You can see, hear, and chat with your doctor just like a traditional office visit. Get secure access to urgent, primary, and specialist care, including mental health care. Video care is covered by most private insurances, usually with a copay. Visit zoomcare.com to get started. That's zoom, Z-O-O-M-C-A-R-E dot C-O-M. There's nothing better than getting a diagnosis from your doc sitting in your own living room and remember supporting our partners is supporting us so help them out to help us out here we go uneventful week in denver sports i I, we'll get into that in segment three but we had the goatees last night very eventful and uh this cast of uh trained killers is here to viciously debate those awards because we picked the nominations you, however, pick the winner. So uh, it's time to, uh, you know, scold you for your picks or or reward you for your picks, however that may be. And we're really, there's the thread, all the winners. It's fantastic. Go to YouTube to check out the whole show. It was a blast. I think the most controversial and where I want to start, though, is Newcomer of the Year. Some fine nominations here with Daniel Barr, arguably the best story of the year. Andre Burakovsky, who I'm partial to because Andres and I always stand by each other. MPJ, who was the the odd betting favorite. And Carl Durrell, a phenomenal story in its own. Burrow wins this one and a bit of controversy in the office. So uh, your thoughts on this, folks? Well, (laughs) is the controversy that MPJ was a two-time nominee? Or is it the controversy that he didn't win? Because I think both of those things could be true. Even the controversy is debatable, which tells you how controversial this award was in the first place. To me, the winner was kind of controversial, besides the controversy of how we came to those nominees in the first place. Yeah, I remember, I, I think it was a basketball game. Maybe maybe it was a football game. We were watching at the bar a few weeks ago, and... Me and Dre and D-Line got into a kind of heated conversation about whether MPJ should even be eligible for this. 
I thought pretty firmly that he should not be eligible because he isn't a newcomer. Like he's maybe new to being allowed to be impactful if you wanted to, but in terms of the way that newcomer works, you have to be new. And he had already been around for a year. And so that to me was the big controversy. And we'll get into the Darrell snub in a sec. AJ, yeah. Yeah. on the episode, you argued for MPJ, but with some distance, you've uh, publicly argued for Burra, who ends up winning. So uh, what's what's your official stance on this now that yeah, you've had so, some time? Like, I thought MPJ would have been a perfectly acceptable... Mm-hmm. I mean, he as like a newcomer, right? He was he was great. My only my only uh, my only objection was that he was a two time nominee for a newcomer of the year. Like, right? It's like you can't be nominated. I'm I'm actually on AJ and everybody's side in this. People think I'm not, but I am. It's like you can't be nominated for new artist of the year two years in a row. Like newcomer of the year equivalent to new artist of the year. You know, like Drake can't win New Artist of the Year twice, like 10 years ago. Just can't. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree. Uh, Drew, as our voice of reason here, where do you fall? Yeah, I I, I was the same. I I, I never understood why MPJ was (laughs) included in this. It's just like, you know, like in... uh, in baseball, we have the there. There's like the cutoffs for when you can no longer be a rookie, right? Because that can be kind of confusing with September call-ups and all this other mm-hmm. stuff. But it's like once you pass 50 innings pitched or 100 plate appearances, or they've moved around. I can't. Those my those are probably old. <laughs> a couple of CBAs ago, I'm getting old, as Michaela reminded me. Uh, but because I know who Bruce <laughs> Springsteen <laughs> is, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, wow, uh, yeah, I. Uh, yeah, you can't win rookie of the year two years in a row. You just can't. And so uh, newcomer of the year, uh, I-, I think the electorate rightfully held that against MPJ. Mm. Mm. Uh, I-, I like the Burakovsky pick here just because certainly he played a huge part in my newcomer of the year status to being a hockey fan. And so like he was just he's so great to watch. So I really enjoyed that. I, I gave my best pitch for the Daniel Bard story but you know no one obviously no one was voting for anything rockies they gave some the social media team some love and said screw the rest of that organization we don't care burn it all to the ground so yeah i am i'm confused about like the carl durell movement when daniel bard exists like if your argument mpj can't be can't be there because he was already nominated or burakovsky shouldn't count because he technically started his abs career in 2019. Fine, you remove both of those, and Daniel Bard still should smoke Carl. What, what happened with Carl Durrell? And like, that's nothing against Carl Durrell. It's just that the Daniel Bard story was one of the best, not only in Colorado sports, but that's in great. all of sports. It's yeah. the comeback story of the year where you just get really excited about a guy that was left, his career was over. And not like, recently over it had been over for a while and he comes back and he ends up like he starts out the season oh he's a middle reliever and then as the bullpen just implodes and he just continues to be aces the guy moves into the closer position and does just fine with it like the guy with the guy was awesome and he actually you know abbreviated season and all but he was he was great in his role and there's no there's the the only asterisk is that it was a short season, so he didn't have a chance to get course fielded. Right. Yeah, and my other beef with how the nominations are picked starts with you, Henry, and how the Buffs nominations were picked, because I would have argued Jarek Broussard was the real newcomer of the year for the Buffs with the kind of historic numbers he put up, but your argument is technically he's not a newcomer at all. He'd been on the roster for two years, and and that's my thing. And so and the Daniel Bard right. case, I, I think I, I know, and I said the same thing. Like I don't think that he should have been eligible. But the Daniel Bard thing is a good argument, and I, I totally agree that he should be rewarded. And it's one of the great stories in Denver from the last year. At the same time, though, it isn't an award for most improved or best story. It's an award for the the newcomer of the year the guy who came in and daniel bard certainly had a big positive impact carl durell though he took this team to four and one he took them to a bowl game for the second time in the last 13 years 
it was too big of a movement, too much momentum with Carl for me to give it to a, a guy who played well, but I mean, it wasn't enough to to change the trajectory of the season for Colorado. How many how many games did the Buffs play this year? Do we count the bowl game? <laughs> yeah. Five regular season, six with the bowl game. And the Rockies played six. I was gonna say so, I mean, sixty baseball games. You uh, compare it, man. Like baseball played less than half a season. Yeah. College football oh, played exactly half a season. Yeah. So that's fine. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it's an asterisk. Year. I, think, I think one job is a well lot made, harder Harrison. than the other. Argument well made. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I think I think being a cold. Being a closer for the Colorado Rockies is a lot harder than being a head football coach for the Buffs, especially when all you have to do is coach five games. And then they earned the sixth game in which they got waxed. Allie, make a note. Toughest jobs in Denver sports? That's a phenomenal debate. Oh, it's going to be a <laughs> Holy yeah. cow. That I do one's think Colorado amazing. Rockies closer is is among the toughest. Because like, <laughs> it, it, it's just the task in front of you is almost impossible. At the same time, though, CU Buffs head football coach. It's not like that's a Probably dream job. Up there too. Yeah, being a head coach for a college football team, come on now. That is a hard Yeah, I'm with I, didn't, I didn't say it was an easy job. I just yeah. said one of them is historically difficult, and the other one is being the head coach of the Buffs. But it was like, if you look at the results, though, you could make a, a good case for the bus being historically difficult to, yeah, to turn and around. It's also the case that you would make where, had they had enough season, they wouldn't have made a bowl game. Be, being a college head coach was historically yeah. difficult this year, though. No summer offseason yeah. program. He comes into the job like nobody wanted Carl Durrell as the head coach of Colorado anyway. He was like the seventh, eighth choice. That also made his job easier because there were no expectations. A single win over Colorado State would have been would have made the whole season a success for everybody, right? And unfortunately, we didn't get to see it go down. At the same time, though, you know, Daniel Bard, it, it's again, he played half a season as as well. You know, he just as easily could have fallen off. And I would almost say that, given what we saw from the Buffs playing with the best defense in the Pac-12, at least top two, an offense that basically nobody could stop. You, you have one of the best running backs easily in the conference. And he's, we were looking through the list yesterday after the draft pod, he's one of the top 10 returning backs in the country. Now, like so many good things are happening after zero spring practices. Meanwhile, Daniel Bard, like, yeah, he was good, but like newcomer of the year, biggest impact. He did a good job. Like mm-hmm. I just, what Daniel, what Daniel Bard did is something that you just don't see. Carl Durrell going four and one and then getting waxed in a bowl game isn't like a rare feat. Except for Colorado, it is. <laughs> in the last 20 years, it is. Yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, okay. I mean, that's. I mean, there's an argument to be made there. I like that we're debating the third and fourth choices. If I can go back to the one and two, <laughs> because to what me, else, the man? MPJ Burakowski forgetting the oversight of nominating MPJ at all in 2019 was a classic <laughs> peak versus longevity, um, peak versus longevity debate mm-hmm. that we have in Hall of Fame discussions. It's the classic like Terrell Davis over Curtis Martin type of debate. You know? Yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you, had he not been nominated the year before I would not have made such a public display of pushing for Berkey in that one award specifically. Cause I think that was the only award where I was like, you better vote for the abs because Harrison newcomer of the year with the most memorable moments. I think we wouldn't debate that is Michael Porter jr. Well, you could, you might, you could also make a case that last year was Jeremy Grant. I mean, Michael Porter Jr., he had a big January. Yeah. He had a monster showing in the seeding round. Yep. Two 30-point games. Had a couple big games in the playoffs, but Jeremy Grant definitely made a bigger impact mm-hmm. in the playoffs. Um so yeah, I mean it, it's it, it's tough, but I think you know Jeremy Grant could have been the nominee. Yeah, that's a good point. And I know, AJ, you guys on the app side had uh, plenty of debate because it wasn't just Berkey in the running, but, you know, uh, Kadri and Johnson for sure. Yeah, I mean, we had the 
the the Berkey versus Kadri conversation was actually pretty tough for us. Um, and then like, uh, would that come down to? It, honestly, for me, it came down to production, um, especially in the postseason. <laughs> like postseason, the, the 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 production in the regular season was pretty much right next to each other, but. The postseason production, Berkey was like double Kadri. Right. Yeah, so. that's undeniable. And expectations, once again, right? Berkey, we didn't, uh, he's kind of an analytics darling. We'll see how he works. Kadri yeah. was the big signing. And once you start to weigh those expectations, similar to what we've talked about with guys like Bard and uh, Carl Durrell, then Berkey definitely gets the advantage. Yeah. Those are my guys. That's a big win for you and the spinny goal hive, Drew. That's yeah, that was very yeah, big. Was, yeah. Also, Kadri with the intangibles. Got gotta love that. Mm. That it, man. Mm. No, no doubt. Love for Josh Fuentes in this category, though. Just <laughs> I, I was gonna ask on the rocky side, that was the other debate, huh? Was Josh Fuentes? We thought about it once. I'm once glad we you went with Very, yeah. very uh, glad you went with yeah, I think next year we'll want to push for best story too, so we can give guys like Daniel Barr a little more shine. Um, as far as the other awards that I want to hit on in this first segment, we had Bedney, our first ever back-to-back best dressed. <laughs> to me, a little controversial because he let the hair go um, this year, but someone got worse in their category and, uh, and still took the award. We had, we had a couple of back-to-backs, right? With Rocky's Twitter winning social media and then Bednar yeah. getting best dressed. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, so now, now it's established. Those are the Kings. You got to come for that crown. The Kings are the goaties. I like that. You said this Drew. his best dressed has decreased from a year ago. And this I think is what really hurt Jokic in his nominee for athlete of the year or the abs in their nominee for team of the year. Not the same standard for the head coach. That should be noted. Um, As AJ mentioned, Rockies repeat in the uh, best social two years in a row. And as Drew said, that's the only love the Rockies organization got probably, probably going to the right people. I would say in this case and um, no debate here, quote of the year, um, you know, with, just everything surrounding the Jamal Murray moment. Um, when, when was that? What game was that, Harrison? Games, games after games six against the Jazz. Right. Um, uh, uh, can I say something about best dressed? Please. Please do. Somebody um, has to. <laughs> you are the authority on this uh, panel, I think, as far as best dressing. Coaches should not be under consideration for best dressed. Mm. Uh, it, it should be a player-only award. Uh, like NHL coaches... Everyone wears a suit. It's tough to look bad in a custom tailored suit, if yeah. we're being honest. Yeah. Um, NBA coaches now just wear like team issued Nike half zips. Like they they all wear the same thing. Mm-hmm. NFL coaches have somehow been able to wear sweatpants for like all the time, <laughs> which is just incredible. Like more power to them. Baseball um, coaches wear freaking uniforms. So just coaches, coaches should not be under consideration for best dress it should be a player only award that's my uh two cents yeah but then we would have nominated landis and this would have been a landslide the other way <laughs> that's the other I, would have, I would have been fine like, with that. i would have been fine with that just saying that they're gonna, they're gonna vote for the unicorn of a human not a good set couldn't we have given a good send-off to like big z with the best dressed he doesn't wear socks so no mm. but <laughs> say, then, see, now i'm starting to watch is it the problem with our nominations or really us being the people in charge of the nominations? Because I, I don't really blame the voters for picking Bedner, even though like you look at that picture that we put up there, white shirt, gray tie, like blue suit, whatever this is. Congrats on putting that together. That, that doesn't impress. <laughs> and and you, know, you even said like, it's, is it hard to put on a, a well-tailored suit and make it look good? It is for Jared Bednar. He he put on that camo suit and it was awful. Like I'm not sure if we need to have a rule that says coaches can't That was win. a that was I a special night though. One, though. Like he wore that he wore that suit once in honor of whatever the special evening it was was for. Oh, it was, was military it like, appreciation night. Still. 
And so he wore okay. it for that. Like, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't like throw it on and be like, "Hey guys, can you see me?" <laughs> it, it was. It, it was, was like nice. woods camo and not like military camo. Yeah, point out. yeah it, it was, was like a, it was, it was a jacket. Like he's a good boy, good old boy from Saskatchewan, man. You gotta roll with what you got. <laughs> and but what is he doing having that? Like what, what you got shouldn't doing? include a camo suit. He definitely just he? asked somebody to go get him a camo suit, and that's what they came back with. Oh, I'm true. officially petitioning for a worst dress candidate c- yeah. category next year, Ooh. and it's all the specialized jerseys. We're just we're playing right into it. It's all the camo for you, Hank. By the way, <laughs> ladies listening, the man who just unleashed an "Are we the problem?" is still single. So I'm just like <laughs> those kind of insights are are available on the market. And then we closed it out with your golf partner, uh, Mark Moser, coming through with Justice Served. On best call, Hank. Um, yeah, I, I, I like those categories. I think uh, those were won by the right ones, and I'm glad we got to get into the newcomer. Um, so, yeah, before we move on to Athlete of the Year, where I think there's plenty to unpack, uh, you know, it, the good folks at DraftKings Sportsbook, everything is on the table with those people. Right now, Henry, we just added draft props. So uh, I was prepping for the show, or I would have been t- tweeting about those at nauseum right now. We have Deshaun Watson to the Broncos odds. We have all sorts of stuff to get on it, get in on. Our guy Curtis Blades is going to be in the main event this Saturday in the UFC. We've got Nuggets playing tonight against the lowly Cavs. We've got the ads uh, without a roof over their head on Saturday. If you're not in on all these games on DraftKings Sportsbook, I don't know what you're doing, frankly, especially when you can put in code DNVR and they will give you a first deposit bonus up to a thousand dollars. As I said, it's not just betting. It's being able to get all this data, being able to get all the specials, the rumors on the draft, the rumors of where Deshaun Watson's going to land, adjusted odds on ads to win their division. It is a blast. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DMVR to get your shot to turn $1 into $100 when you bet on any team to hit a three-pointer in any basketball game this week. That's promo code DNVR for new customers to get a shot at $100. Uh, 100 to 1 odds on any basketball team to hit a three-point shot only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Restriction supply winning. Winnings paid out in four $25 free bets. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, and we get into, you know, I, I, I love that we had the little pods in the, the goatees uh, with us being able to debate these categories. And I think in the team of the year panel, AJ really said it best. The Avs had game seven. They were up, and uh, they couldn't pull through to advance to the Western Conference Finals. When you can't yeah. pull that off, you don't deserve to be team of the year. So I thought team of the year was pretty clear cut for the Nuggets. Um, And again, go check that out on YouTube where we break all that down and have a fun debate. But athlete of the year, I think not just with the winner, but with the actual candidates we had, we can get into a lot more. Of course, the candidates were Nathan McKinnon, the star center for the Colorado Avalanche, Garrett Bowles, who had just a tremendous season and one of the great like bounce back stories i think this decade in colorado sports jamal murray who we talked about great quote and just some incredible moments in the bubble in the nba and jerick broussard who does get his dues here henry even though i would have had him in newcomer of the year as well i thought it was a bit of an upset to see mckinnon win this one what were your reactions the right i mean i think the right guy won I didn't. I didn't think that it was really all that close, given the candidates. Um, no offense to Jamal Murray, but mm-hmm. there was also a regular season that took place, yeah. and Nathan McKinnon finished second place and in, in in the MVP trophy, and arguably deserved to win the thing. So, mm-hmm. I think that was the you know, and and look, Jamal Murray was amazing in the bubble, but yeah. he. You you compare their regular seasons and Jamal Murray's not within 
I mean, he's not even the same zip code as what Nathan McKinnon did. Right. And I think the Jamal Murray argument um, is probably that his peak in 2020 might have been higher than Nathan McKinnon. Like yeah. maybe McKinnon was at a super high level for obviously longer than Jamal Murray was over the entire season. But like at his peak, um, like Jamal Murray was just like incredible in the highest leverage situation in the NBA playoffs and taking a team on two, three, one comebacks. I mean, there's never going to be a better story in the NBA playoffs ever than that. Probably unless the team comes back from like a three, zero comeback twice Um, being at the forefront of that. And just like the most, the most ridiculous comeback uh, twice in like an NBA playoff series. That that's his argument, probably. Yeah, I mean, Nathan McKinnon. They played 15 postseason games, and Nathan McKinnon scored in the first 14 of them. Uh, he was yeah. leading the postseason in scoring. Like he put himself in a conversation with Wayne Gretzky with what he was doing in the postseason. So performing in the highest of leverage situations, Nathan McKinnon also did it. So yeah. I think I, I mean I, with McKinnon winning it. Yeah, like I I think that's probably what pushed McKinnon over the top is that the regular season he smokes Jamal Murray, but both of them were absolutely exceptional once the playoffs started. Yeah. Once the spotlight really got put on them, they both went ballistic. Yeah, um I guess you really get into some of the like regular season. Only so much of the regular season was played in 2020, you know? Yeah. Right. And then, you know, quality of opponents, the Avs kind of got, you know, an easier look in round one where he could kind of feast and pad some stats there. Imagine Um, if it worked that way, like in the Oscars or the Grammys or something like that. If like the first third of your movie, like just didn't count. It's like, no, he played that part of the season in a different year. <laughs> just like it's kind of one of those weird, interesting things we do when we're trying to like cut the year off and be like, no, we're only counting this stuff that you did, right? But it's but, way more important stuff. That's the thing. Like, yeah. the playoffs is just so much more important than the That's regular the thing, season. right? Yeah. Not even fifty points is a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the I remember AJ talking about you know when we we're talking about how. Larry Walker got into the Hall of Fame and didn't have a ton of those moments, you know, which mm-hmm. I, I totally agree with. And I think Jamal has the moments argument here where it's just like, he yes, had, as, as great as McKinnon was, it was like the games they were winning, they were destroying people. And then the games they lost, it's because they just didn't have enough warm bodies. Right. Whereas well, the game is weird that it would be held against Nathan McKinnon. That totally. He right. The utter destruction of another team. <laughs> In the playoffs, right? Like that they put they back to back Brazil an NHL oh. team in the postseason, right? Right, but it, it is that they needed all of those fifty points from Jamal and every like ounce of his emotion, so the moment just felt bigger because there's no moment in an eight to two waxing. Yes, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but no, I'm like, you. I, McKinnon yeah. should have won this, but I, but. Jamal had those moments, man. He, I think when we look back on this year, right, when the documentary of Denver sports is made at 2020, like the Jamal by moments, by, when we make that documentary, uh, those Jamal moments will stick out in people's mm-hmm. minds more than any moment from McKinnon. Yeah, great, they, they, great were, they were like more dramatic. Jamal's moments yeah. were dramatic. And AJ said McKinnon was in, you know, the conversation with Wayne Gretzky for what he did in the playoffs. I mean, Jamal Murray was in the conversation with Michael Jordan for what he did over games um, four, five, and six. Yeah. He dropped 142 combined points in those games. Only Jordan and Jerry West um, have dropped more. So, like, that's the kind of conversation Jamal Murray was in. I would also say, though, the, the consistency helped because it was every night with McKinnon. And you say, oh, over games four, five, and six. What the hell happened to the first four games? Like, you know, like they they also got played. He was also in those games. And where McKinnon was also in those games, you know, if McKinnon gets an extra three games against Arizona, 
Who knows what his statistical profile ends up looking? The guy might have led the postseason in scoring and only played two rounds. As it was, he ended up. I think he ended up fifth in postseason scoring, and he played. He played two rounds. Yeah. yeah. Also, while we're talking about stats, uh, I think it's worth pointing out Jarek Broussard. He outpaced Colorado's. Yeah, he did. He outpaced <laughs> Colorado's only Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, the yeah. only player ever in college football history with more 100-yard games consecutively to start a career is Adrian Peterson. Uh, there was only one player in all of college football, group of five, power five, who had more rushing yards per game than Jarek Broussard did this season. He's no slouch in this conversation. Because on top of that, the Buffs had uh, the the second best finish they've ever had in the Pac-12. Again, shortened season, all that. But while I do think that Nathan McKinnon is the winner here, Jarek deserves a little bit of credit for all that. Victim of the short season. Cause if he had done that across 12 games, dude, we, we'd right. be freaking out about it. Like the whole country yep. would have lost its damn mind over a guy with that kind of production. hundred percent. The, the only yep. thing I'll say about Murray and something that's also super impressive about what he did. He played pretty much the same amount of minutes in the playoffs that LeBron did despite LeBron playing five more games, yeah. which crazy. is like ridiculous. The load he had to carry. That's insane. Yeah. And I think it really did come down to the um, moments. There was a, a gravitas, a weight to what Murray did while it was just like consistent dominance from McKinnon. Harrison, what was your guys thinking as you debated Murray over Jokic? Cause I think there's a bit of a, peak versus longevity argument that could be made here as well. Well, I think it's what we were just talking about earlier. The moments we're going to remember, we're going to remember Jamal Murray's just, like I said, games four, five, and six. Um, His post-game speech after game six. We're going to remember that more so than Jokic is just unbelievably consistent play throughout the playoffs. However, right or wrong, that might be. Yeah. Like Jokic was the Nuggets' best player in the playoffs. He was better than Murray over uh, the fourteen, over the nineteen games that they did play in the playoffs. Uh, he was better in the regular season portion that fell in twenty twenty one. He he was just better. But the moments we're going to remember, uh, the the highlights that are going to be shown, it's going to be Jamal Murray. So. Um, he was the star of the bubble. He just was for those moments. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I mean, it's so interesting because, you know, Jokic was putting up bird magic, better numbers than bird and magic were in their 25 year old season in the playoffs. And those guys are like some of the best young players in NBA history. Um, and, and then closes out 2020 by averaging a triple double. So, you know, like the tail ends of Jokic's 2020 are insane. But I think what, in my mind, promotes Murray over McKinnon and over Jokic is like Murray hit a new peak. He just didn't just hit like a next level. He like upped his game like two, three levels. Well, you know, it sounds spoiled, but uh, McKinnon and Jokic is kind of par for the course. Same as usual. We've seen this all before. Um so, I mean, fair or unfair, that's uh, that's how that broke down, though. Um, and, yeah, moment of the year. Uh, how did that come out? Were you upset that Larry Walker didn't win this, Drew? Yeah. Did, okay, so this is one of those, again, I, I think if the Rockies had a chance to win, like, something uh, big and meaningful, no disrespect to the social media team, but a little more, a meaningful mm. for Rockies fans in the Rockies community. <laughs> it would have been moment of the year. And I, I've got no, no problem with it going to the big game seven win over the Clippers. There is a way for me to frame it though, to say that, you know, the Nuggets won a quarterfinals game and the Colorado Rockies organization got validation and a, an entire career was validated. The very first member of the organization in any capacity no manager or front office, nobody who just like put on a uniform for half a season and hung out. No member of the Rockies has been enshrined in the most difficult hall of fame in all of professional sports to get into. 
that it came down to his very last opportunity. He's either in or out. That's the, you know, the equivalent of your you're down by three, but the bases are juiced and someone hits a walk-off grand slam. Like, that just almost never happens to get in by the small number of votes that he did. I, and again, I, you know, I, I do think this is a bit of a toss-up. When we do the documentary years mm-hmm. from now, we'll talk about both of these things. But the Larry Walker, like, it's a massive moment for him, for baseball, for the Rockies organization. And I know it doesn't bring that like just immediate catharsis of how good you feel when your team wins a game and ultimately sports at the end of the day are about winning and losing. And, and, and I get it, but I do think there's a handful of things in sports that are just a little bit bigger than wins and losses. And the major league baseball hall of fame is one of those things, at least to me. And I, I know I'm biased in that case and that it was such an uphill battle to get him in there. I, I, I won't again. I won't say I was disappointed because I think this was a very deserving moment. But I, I, I think it's just being under. I think it's sad that because the Rockies are in such a terrible state right now, yeah. that moment maybe just isn't getting the kind of love, or maybe even people aren't able to feel the joy about it. And maybe that's even sadder than anything. Not that it didn't win. It's that people couldn't even bring themselves to vote for it because they're just so pissed at the Rockies right now and like. That's what sucks. Yeah. I think Drew hit the nail on the head. Yeah. If there wasn't so much bullshit going on with the Rockies right now, for sure. that moment would have been celebrated a lot more. And look, the first Rocky to ever go into the Hall of Fame, that's major. Yeah, that's, right. that's that's absolutely major. That's that's huge. So I, I think Drew's on to something there. I mean, game seven over the Clippers was big. The 3-1 comeback, and also because if you guys remember, the Clippers were the favorite by a lot of people to win the NBA championship last year. It wasn't the Lakers at the start of the season. It was the Clippers. I picked the Clippers to win the championship last year. So um, that's a big thing that Nuggets have going for them. But I'm with Drew to an extent there. Yeah, definitely the most, like, not just joyful and gratifying moments and kind of at tail ends of the year, but, like, legitimizing moments. Because – if you're a Rockies fan, it didn't just come down to this one day. This was like a fandom in the making leading up to this moment. And in a similar sense, the Nuggets winning game seven felt similar. Like how much suffering have I been through as a Nuggets fan and lost all hope when they're down 3-1 to the favorites to win the title and then game seven was like a fever dream. It, you know, I mean, they just blew them out. It was like, is this yeah. really happening? It's like a victory parade. Yeah, the Nuggets away with it over the last yeah. five minutes of that game, which was wild. It, incredible. So both were like, wow. I, I, it was almost worth suffering the last 30 years for this moment. I, I almost would have loved the co-winner for this one because both really meant a lot more than what they are on a tweet, you know. Yeah, you know, the Larry Walker thing, like Harrison said, it's the first time ever that a Rocky's gotten in. It's like a high watermark. But at the same time, this is only the second time ever that the Nuggets made the conference finals, right? There wasn't anything in the 70s or 80s I missed. So uh, even though this wasn't first ever, you're also matching that high watermark. It's not like this isn't some big deal that's happening on this side too. And I do think that it's a toss up and probably the toughest decision I had to make. And I did give it to the Nuggets just because it was something that was on the court. I could watch it. And I guess I could have watched the Larry Walker thing. And in hindsight, I really wish I did. Everybody else really enjoyed it. Um, but it, I think that that goes into the moment thing, though, is that the, the Rockies fans who watched, I, I totally, I, I bet that was huge. I remember seeing the videos at Blake Street Tavern. Everybody's watching Nuggets Game 7. And and it kind of sucks that that's how it happened. But in terms of the moment, I think that that carries just a little bit of weight too. I think I I, I think that this is it's it's it sucks that I keep coming down on like not the Nuggets side because it sounds like I'm constantly against them. It's just that I the the weight of history is not with the Nuggets here. It was a great moment, and it was a great moment for a franchise that's accomplished almost nothing in its existence against another franchise that's also accomplished almost nothing in its existence like it was it was two it was two franchises that have frankly been kind of pathetic over their lifespan 
And it, it, it was like a featherweight fight. And we put all the importance on it because the Clippers, for the first time ever, felt like the Lakers. You know, and, and when they were up 3-1 and all the talking they did and all the yapping, and it was just, it was obnoxious. And to to punch the bully in the mouth and then stand over him like they did at the end of Game 7, just as a lifelong sports fan, that's a gratifying moment. And yeah. you know, you know as a sports fan, you almost never get that moment. It's so rare. But the Larry Walker thing is history. That's forever. Like that's like the Nuggets. The Nuggets won a game to go to advance a round. They didn't get to the finals. They didn't win the championship. They they got out of the second round. Like Yahoo, you know, like it's a big deal for the franchise. But historically speaking, it's a footnote. It only mattered because they came back from three one. That's the only reason it'll be remembered outside of Denver was because of the back to back three ones. Otherwise, like Larry Walker getting into the Hall of Fame, but that's, as Drew said, that's the hardest Hall of Fame to get into. And it took years of fan-driven, like, boots-on-the-ground work to build up to this. You know, all of the the work that people did in trying to win over old-school baseball writers who just didn't respect Larry Walker for whatever reason. Best exemplified by Peter Gammons going on national television, like the morning of, and saying, I regret not voting for him. Oh my God, I hope I'm not the reason that he doesn't get in. Because I had some asinine reason at the time of, well, he didn't play enough because he was hurt too much, that it could have forever tarnished Larry, could have forever cheapened Larry Walker's legacy. Like it was the it came down to six guys that they were able to win up, win over over the course of a decade long process. They ended up getting they pushed just the six guys across. It was it was there was so much history and there was so much like the Coors Field bias and the Walker bias and the Colorado Rockies like league wide. It will not be viewed as a validation of of the Rockies as a franchise it'll be viewed as a validation of Larry Walker's career. But for all of us who well, have followed the Rockies and all of us who have followed all of this, it was a total validation of our mere yes. existence. We so can. it meant everything. It meant everything. And I think that it sucks that it just got buried because everybody's pissed at the Rockies. <laughs> and like, oh. rightfully so, of course. Sure. But... To, to not be able to separate those two things and give, I think, Walker the proper historical due, I think that's a bummer. It's a good thing it's just a goatee. He's, in, <laughs> he's forever in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> and that's a good way to put perspective on things, AJ. Um, a reminder that we are presented by Breckenridge Brewery. With that... I think we're ready to move on from the goaties. That was a phenomenal show for a not so phenomenal year. Here's a popping a Breck brew to 2021. Um, but you know, thank you to everyone who put work in that. And thank you all for tuning in and participating. Um, yeah, this debate really got me ready for some 2021 goaties where, you know, Deshaun Watson's fighting George Payton for a newcomer of the year. That's going to be great, is, great is stuff. Jay going to get nominated again for newcomer. <laughs> it's a Trey Adams way. It's our I, tradition. No, yes. No, no, no. Every, every year. It's going to be Bull Bull. <laughs> Bull, Bull. He's not a newcomer by... either. He's been around. That's what I'm saying. Next year. So. <laughs> oh, I hate it. Maybe to make all parties happy, we just call it the MPJ Award. <laughs> In, in his honor <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um so i hope you're all ready for who won the week because we are getting into that on the other side of this do you or anyone you know need a job because green mountain dental is looking for an experienced office manager bookkeeper this is a salary position with great benefits the office manager's role is to organize and coordinate administrative duties and office procedures this job requires 10 years of office manager experience other duties include preparing payroll monthly financials experience with a variety of office software ordering dental supplies handling marketing and advertising supervising staff etc 
This team is an incredible group of people to work with. Please call them today. If you or anyone you know is interested, call 303-988-0711 or head to their website, greenmountaindentalgroup.com. Further information, we've had several DMVR listeners switch over. Check them out. They are our dentists of choice. So Green Mountain Dental, check them out. Give those good folks your business. They will take care of you. Okay, it, uh, I mentioned it. Not an eventful week in Denver sports, but who won the week? Allie, do you have music for us? As far as I know, music is playing right now. You hear it. None of no, us hear it. I have music this time, I promise. Lay it on me. Who did the most and who did the least? Who was the dog and who was the beast? Who's in the boat and who's up a creek? Let's see. Who won the week? Voila. That's uh what a jam. That's shorter than I remembered it. Um <laughs> but, but delightful nonetheless. Uh I really I I feel like I am punishing people by picking who to go first on this who won the week. Once again, I am in anxious anticipation to see what DC has in store for us today. It's been like since since DDSP started, he's had nothing to win the week with his beat. So we'll go to it. We'll start us off with AJ. So uh, Mr. Creaseman can prepare for something. Uh, Okay, I guess the absolute just just because they, you know, they they came back from uh, their COVID break. They went one and one. They won. They split in Vegas against the best home team uh, in the league, and okay. they're getting ready to play outdoors, and they're getting up to five regulars back tomorrow, including, yeah. as everybody has been shocked to learn, Sam Gerrard. So, Makar, mm-hmm. Jost, Calvert, Landeskog, Gerrard, all potentially coming back tomorrow. The Abs win the week. They won games. They got healthy. The, the, the Abs win the week because they played hockey, and they're going to play well. hockey. Uh, many arguments to be made. Is that your argument, Drew? Because a- Ali didn't start the title on that one. <laughs> I was going to say, solid argument. <laughs> I do not mind that at all. Um, Harrison, I think your task is a little harder because these nuggets, uh, you know, but I, I know there's a couple angles you can pick no here. No way. So His is easy. Oh, okay. Um Go ahead, Mr. Wind. Uh, yeah, this won the week. away for the Nuggets this week. Nikola Jokic won the week, voted in as an all-star starter. Ooh. This is a massive deal. This is a massive, massive deal. First Nuggets starter in the all-star game since Carmelo Anthony in 2011. First time Jokic has obviously been voted in as a starter. Wow. Third year in a row, he's been an all-star. And it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. This is the same guy who was being brought off the bench his second season for Yusef Nurkic. Um his rise is unbelievable. And being an all-star starter, that's a huge deal. A huge deal. The fifth most fan votes in the entire wow. league. That's unbelievable. And a happy birthday to him as well. Nikola yeah. Jokic. That's a, that's a tough one to beat, uh, Hank. I'm uh, You too. I, I don't know if you have the easiest task at hand here. Oh, well, uh, I do. Because (laughs) while all the other teams in the NFL have been making mistake after mistake, going after Carson Wentz, going after Matt Stafford, the Broncos have sat back. They bided their time. The odds keep improving. The the options are narrowing down. Some sports books who will remain unnamed on this show uh, are saying that the Broncos are plus 150 favorites to land Deshaun Watson, one of the best quarterbacks in the entire NFL that means they they won the week. There you go. They love me shit because my argument is the apps played hockey and will play hockey, and the Broncos' argument is other teams did stuff. They didn't do basketball things that other teams did. Yeah, no, and it's working out. It's all setting up perfectly. Deshaun Watson has to go somewhere, and the Buffs basketball has lost two straight. Buffs football has done absolutely nothing. The Broncos are my option, and Deshaun Watson is available. Well, he will be, probably. 
where do I go to to get a show where I, Henry talks and there's a camera on AJ reacting? Because <laughs> I want that greenlit. Yes, that's a, that's a sitcom all by yeah, itself. Yeah, oh, that's our, our new most popular show. Those two, two um, camera sitcoms. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Uh, so wow, uh, the abs for getting healthy, not playing no. hockey, but kind of no. playing hockey. Nikola Jokic for just being amazing. The Denver Broncos for not trading for Carson Wentz and now for becoming being... favorites. Honestly, for becoming favorite. favorites. Okay, this and all right. here we go. The 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 I mean, the our this hero right here from our hero. The moment the people want to see Drew Creaseman. What do you have for us, my friend? Look, folks, it's not about what you actually believe was the moment of the week. It's about the argument, right? So we've got mm. the Avs for being a hockey team, the Broncos yes. for not doing anything at all, yep. and the Nuggets because the best player in the NBA is going to be an all-star. Kyle Freeland won the week because he became the leader of the Colorado Rockies this week, came out with strong, emphatic quotes to the media about being a snake in the grass, about being overlooked and underrated, all the things you want to hear from a guy no, the Rockies aren't going to be good, but they're going to start to move in the right direction with these young players. But I can't, this thing's Time. freezing all over on me. I can't see stuff. <laughs> Whatever, man. These guys are talking about just existing out here. Kyle Freeland won the week. Yeah, the, the, was it not part of my argument that the Colorado Avalanche <laughs> won a hockey game this week? Did that happen? <laughs> against, okay, their, right, against their prime rival in Vegas? I, I am uh, glad Kyle Freeland is, is going to try this season. Um, yeah, I'm. I'm. He's gonna, gonna put, put it really game. hard, Harris. Wow, Harris. I'm glad that Kyle Freeland is emphatic. Very. I'm emphatic. glad that Kyle Freeland knows how to talk to the media. Yeah, the rest Someone of his organization is a thing. <laughs> okay. How uh, should I phrase this, Hank? Top dash contenders for Deshaun Watson. Uh, favorites for Deshaun Denver? Watson. Favorites, okay. Betting yeah. favorites, not real world favorites. Oh, betting favorites. <laughs> Depending on who you ask, if you want to throw that caveat on too. <laughs> so true. Uh presented by Breckenridge Brewery, I remind you. Um who won the week last week? Yeah. We didn't have a poll. Controversial. We didn't have a poll. Harrison, I was looking at the game log. I think last week the argument should have been made for Zeke Nashi. Well, I mean, half of our voters on Twitter don't know who Zeke Naji is, so I'm, I'm trying to play the crowd. TDSP was early, so Zeke hadn't even shown up yet. The mm. Zeke breakout wasn't even. I'm adding. I'm adding Zeke as my option. Um, and uh, screw you, Twitter people who don't even know who he is. Shame on you, frankly. Okay, well, best of luck, folks, because Ali will be back next week to uh, exalt the winner and punish the losers, as she always does. This has been a pleasure for me to host you all. Um, yeah, thanks for tuning in. Again, we are presented by Breckenridge Brewery. We will catch you next week. Have a great weekend, folks. Oh, is it doing oh, are that you again? Me? Oh, is it doing that again? <laughs> All right, oh, we're just, we're just oh, Allie. Bye. Uh, mm, the first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at caskers.com.